The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. This week on the Court TV Podcast, Harvey Weinstein's fate is about to be put in the hands of the jury. Has the prosecution proved their case, or has the defense done enough to create reasonable doubt? We'll break it all down and give a preview of what to expect in the days ahead. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan and Seema Iyer. Welcome to the Core TV Podcast. I'm Seema Iyer in New York City. And with me from Core TV's worldwide headquarters, Vinnie Politan. Yeah, I'm back here at the mothership. Seema on the road in New York City for the Harvey Weinstein case. This is, um, uh, can you believe we're at this point of the case, Seema? Because I really can't. I can't believe we got here so quickly that we are almost at closing arguments. It's amazing. So I think this is a good opportunity where we kind of take a look at, let's begin with the prosecution case, right? They've got the burden of proof. They're the ones who put uh, more witnesses on the stand. They're the ones with the accusers making the accusations. And the way I look at the prosecution's case is it's really about two out of three. Can they convince this jury that two out of these three main accusers, and I'm talking about Annabella Sciorra, Mimi Hale, and Jessica Mann, two out of those three have told the truth on the witness stand? And, and from my perspective, that's ultimately what this case is about, this jury. Do they or don't they believe what these three women have said? But also, we have to consider how influential were the Molyneux witnesses, because those Molyneux witnesses certainly are going to either help or hurt the prosecution's case. And if the jury finds them to be incredible, it could help the defense in getting to that two out of three. But but here's where I disagree. And, and, and because of Harvey Weinstein and his unique position as this movie mogul um, doing his job from his... Uh, you know, cliched casting couch. I, I really think the jury ultimately, and I think all of us, when we look at all these accusers, have to look at them so individually because their stories, while there are similarities in the alleged uh, MO of, of Harvey Weinstein, because he's in the music business and because there are such different types of relationships mm-hmm. and non-relationships that he creates with right. these women, I almost feel like I have to look at each one individually. And, and usually I wouldn't do that. I'll be honest with you. It, usually when you've got Molyneux-type prior bad act witnesses, I kind of roll everybody up together. Yeah. In this one, I can't do that. See, I think I have a different perspective being inside the courtroom and seeing this as a... Oh, there she is showing off that court- she's inside the courtroom. Okay, thank you, Seema. <laughs> it's a, it is, it is, because it, it's like a courthouse runway, and you see just beautiful woman after beautiful woman sashaying in with very similar tales. And it is not just fact patterns that line up, Vinny, but it's also locations. We keep hearing about Cipriani's. We keep hearing about this hotel rooms. Even if they're different hotel rooms, there are hotel rooms. So there's a lot of these same stories. We hear about the relationships, the on again, the off again. So that is, I think, the struggle this jury's going to have to go through is almost what you're saying is look at these women individually, but... Is it an impossible task when so many of the stories are so alike? But for, I will say that, but for Annabelle Skewer, her story stands out the most. 
Right, and she went first, and, and her story is one of forcible rape, and this is in the early 90s, and from my perspective, it was it was powerful. It was um, very different than what I expected, because what I expected is what we heard from Jessica Mann, the third of this, you know, one of the three big important witnesses, one of the two complaining witnesses. Her story was more of what I expected throughout this trial, which was someone trying to make it in Hollywood. You know, a, a young woman who lands in Hollywood with a suitcase and a dream and somehow yeah. uh, comes across Harvey Weinstein. And it's and there's a lot of layers and and ambiguity and gray area in the nature of their on-again, off-again relationship. Annabelle Sciorra, I saw none of that, which is why, for me, I'm looking at all of these accusers, whether they're Molinos or the actual three that really count, individually, because they're all different. Some aren't even actresses. You know, Mimi Mimi Halle yeah, Mimi Halle was actress. a producer. But hold on a second, though. Hold on a second. And uh, did you see Bombshell? Because I know we've talked about this. And you've experienced this being in news. A lot of people go in as producers trying to become on-air talent. And in Bombshell, it was a perfect example. Margot Robbie's character, she gets in as a producer, but she's trying to go on-air. So Mimi Halle, even though she was a producer... If you look at her, she's as beautiful as an actress or a model. So maybe that was her motivation. Could have been. Could have been. Uh, but Another thing is, I think Mimi Halei did not come across as good as she did on paper. So before the trial, I thought Mimi Halei would be a solid... Uh, a solid accuser for the prosecution. But then when she testified and she had, you know, various interactions with Harvey Weinstein, it wasn't just that one horrendous, disgusting oral sex rape allegation, but there was so much more involved. Is she came across incredible as well, or at least doubtful. Well, and I think she's the key to this whole thing because I can't imagine a juror believing that Annabella Sciorra came into court and perjured herself, okay? On the other extreme, Jessica Mann has a very complicated um, relationship with Harvey Weinstein, which does not mean she's not telling the truth. It just means it's more difficult for prosecutors to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. So from my perspective, it really comes down to Mimi Halle uh, for this jury. And the one thing I will say, though, where Jessica Mann, I believe, helps the testimony of Mimi Halle, because Mimi Halle is alleging uh, a forcible, that he, he forced himself on her and performed yeah. oral sex on her. And, and to me, the, the credibility of that comes back to something that, you know, made huge headlines, which is Harvey Weinstein and his lack of testicles, according to Jessica Mann yeah. and another one of the accusers. And, and it just seems that this part of his M.O. is doing that. And, and that's kind of like his thing. And, and, you know, her testimony was is that she had a tampon on at the time. And, and I can't imagine that it was a comfortable situation or a consensual situation for her. You'd have to believe that she completely made this whole thing up. And, and I don't think, and I, I really think that the jury is going to focus in on that because I, I can't imagine that situation described by Mimi Halle being consensual. I see your point, but again, you have to 
keep in mind that she didn't report it right away either. So all of these at the time, you have to look at what happened at the time of this alleged incident. So we're saying it wasn't consensual. Okay, but she didn't report it until later. So you have to, I think, at least the jurors are going to say, well, what was happening in October 2017 when the floodgates opened and everybody came forward? Is it because there was strength in numbers? These women felt more comfortable coming forward? Or was it because they they're looking for something else there there's some motivation here i, I don't know what it is i don't know what is annabelle sure get out of this she's getting nothing out of this i i, I don't know what mimi hale is getting out of this uh ultimately uh, i don't know and maybe she does get something well, on, on the back end i don't, I don't know. think mimi hale and annabelle skiora are represented by gloria allred i they are they're not suing now but the question is, after, if there is a conviction, can they sue then? Sure. Now, here's, and here's, the, here's, the, here's the one thing, though, and here's the argument that I, as a prosecutor, would make in a case like this when it comes to um, potential civil lawsuits. I would tell the jury, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the defense wants to make a big deal about a potential lawsuit. Well, guess what? If somebody rapes you... You're entitled to sue someone. Think about what happens every day in our country. Someone hits you from behind in a little fender bender, and guess what? You're totally. suing somebody. So somebody forcibly rapes you, you're not entitled to sue them? Come on, ladies and gentlemen, let's be fair here. Uh, and that's the way I would try to, um, you know, completely neuter, pun intended, oh, the, so the, the power so of that gross. argument that this is all about a money grab. <laughs> you know what? If you're forcibly raped by someone, you should be able to sue them. Right. Or your career has gone down the toilet and you have no avenue to make money. So sue them and flip the script on what was a not pleasant, but consensual sexual interlude. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing I think prosecutors did a good job of. And, and we'll see how the defense handles it in their closing arguments. But there is no doubt that the picture of Harvey Weinstein is a disgusting pig of a man. Bottom line, that's the that's the overall picture. Even even if you believe this was him using his power to uh, lure these young women into consensually disgusting behavior, at the end of the day, he looks like a pig. And I wonder how much influence ultimately that has in the way the jury sees and hears the final arguments. Why? That's not a legal argument. What does it? Him no, no, it's like not an argument. It's a anything. filter. The guy's a pig. Ah. Oh. I I think that's totally inappropriate. You for could that be stuff a pig and not a criminal. And 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 also, uh, you know, the defense feels that those photographs being entered, his naked photographs, were incredibly prejudicial. I don't even know if that was necessary. I think you know, it was the argument when they. Well, the reason they got you know the judge signed the order for him to take pictures of his naked body because it's like a DNA, a buckle swab, right? And it was for identification purposes. But even at that point, I would think, why do we need identification to be confirmed of a public figure? Makes no sense. Well, we shall see. All right, Seema, what are we, we going to talk see. about okay. next? What are we going to talk about next? Because we, we, I covered the prosecution for you. Next, we are going to talk about Harvey Weinstein's dream team and how the defense is doing. That is after this. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area.
The defense has rested. Harvey Weinstein will not take the stand. Vinnie Politan, are you surprised? I'm, I'm not surprised that Weinstein didn't take the stand. I mean, this is a guy who has a lot of baggage. You know, you talk about these accusers having baggage. Uh, that's nothing compared to the amount of luggage that comes with Harvey Weinstein if he had taken that stand. So, from my perspective, it was it was the the smart move by Weinstein. It was a smart move by the defense. Um, but but it's a little sad because I in a he said she said. I'd like to hear what he had to say, but he's not going to say anything. But why would he? I think his defense team did such a great job. They dismantled all the prosecution's evidence enough, enough to get up there and look at these jurors and sell them reasonable doubt. They have enough to argue. Why muddy the waters, number one, and number two, have the danger of Harvey Weinstein and his huge ego opening doors all over the place to the 81 other accusers and then some. Absolutely. Uh, strategically, I believe it was it was smart. It was the only choice to make, uh, given who Harvey Weinstein is. Um, here's my thing, though. Like, if I'm a juror, right, and I know the fact that he did not testify um, cannot be used against him, cannot be considered by the jury. But can the jury consider the fact that um, three women came in, and we're talking about the, the big three, Annabella, Mimi Hale, and, and Jessica Mann, three women came in and said that they were forcibly raped by him, okay? And what is the evidence to contradict that, right? Because there's only two people in the room when this is happening. So where is the evidence from the defense that contradicts the testimony of Annabella Sciorra about what happened, the testimony of Mimi Hale about what happened, and the testimony of Jessica Mann about what happened. Okay, so number one, with Annabella Sciorra, the defense is going to point to her contradicting statements, even to Ronan Farrow. You know, she uh, I think she was on again, off again with being interviewed by him. She made a statement to someone about Harvey Weinstein, first denying that he ever did anything to her, saying, I guess I wasn't his type. Uh, the David Letterman interview, that was something else they're probably going to point to. And finally, the resident manager, uh, first he was known as a doorman, that gentleman who testified, uh, and and saying that there was just no way that someone got up there. And, oh, of course, there's Paul Felcher, who said that Annabelle Sciorra said to him, oh, this crazy thing happened with Harvey Weinstein and I. Okay, so, so, uh, so that's they're going to try to use her own words against her. Use her words against her to contradict herself. That's where they're going? Well, no. I do. Are you not listening to me? Oh, do we have some? Oh, I'm kind supposed of to like, listen uh, when you talk? Wait a minute. You're not. They, they well, didn't tell me that when me. I signed up for this. They just said I was going to be able <laughs> Paul to. Paul Felcher. <laughs> Paul Felcher, I think, you know, that is something that the defense is going to use. Not just so, not just her words, but also other. And, and listen, I think that she didn't tell anyone for a really long time. Uh, I think that will also help the defense case. I think, and, and again, I don't know who all the defense witnesses that were called, but it sounds like the defense did not call anyone to combat Mimi Halle. Now, so I think, you know, you're making a good point. Mimi Halle, we have to address that. There weren't, there wasn't any direct defense contradictions. However, 
I think what the defense is going to do is point out this on again, off again situation. You know, first he asked for a massage. She jokes it off. Then I, I think he tries to get into her apartment. That was when Peanut the dog had a cameo in the trial. And, uh, you know, he leaves the apartment. But then the third incident is the alleged oral sex rape. Uh, but then 16 days later, she has consensual intercourse with him. So that is going to help the defense. There are, Vinny, there are going to be people on this jury who don't buy what Barbara Ziv was trying to sell. Yeah, it's it's very possible. And, and you, you talk about Ziv becomes very important uh, in this case for prosecutors to try to explain some of that behavior. Um, Jessica Mann is, is the one, I think, that the defense spent the most time uh, going after, both through cross-examination and, and through their case. Well, and let me tell you, I saw, uh, with respect to Jessica Mann, I saw Talita, her friend, testify, and she was immovable. She stuck to her position, uh, you know, explaining that I, I think the words were spiritual soulmate or something like that uh, about Jessica Mann's feelings towards Harvey Weinstein. Number one, she thought it was a relationship. And then she even explained away the threesome, saying that Jessica was exploring that side of her sexuality. So uh, Toledo was a really strong witness. And then I think they had another witness testify to combat Jessica Mann. And uh, that may have been, I think, someone who was at the Doubletree. So there was a, another witness. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think they did a good, I think they the defense did strongest with Jessica Mann and yeah. with Annabelle Sciorra. But also, and then again, you know, we did see some efforts to combat the Molyneux witnesses as well. Okay. All right. When we come back, Seema, you got to tell everyone, including me, because I was only there for a short while, what the atmosphere is like and what's going on in the Big Apple, New York City. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel -gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. Vinny, it is a circus here around the courthouse, day in, day out. There are lawyers who've been practicing here for 30, 40 years saying they have never seen anything like it. And it's all because of Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, I, from my perspective, and I was on there a short while, uh, and it was really cold, so I had to leave. Uh, but <laughs> you grew up in New Jersey. What is yeah, wrong I, I with know, you? Yeah, I know, but my blood has been thinned out subsequently. <laughs> but the, the thing that, that struck me is that we cover these big trials, uh, high-profile cases, all the time on Court TV, but it's rare when you have the perfect storm where you have the biggest trial in the biggest city, and that just doesn't happen that often. And you put that combination together – and, and it's really amazing to see how a, a city that has so many millions of people and so many things going on can all of a sudden be impacted by a little old trial that's taken place that is not a little old trial. This, this is a big one. Yes, this is a trial that everyone is paying attention to. And you can tell from 
blocks down the street in either direction that it is just packed every morning. Uh, there are barricades up there for the press. Uh, Harvey Weinstein enters one of the entrances and that's always the one that's hardest for general people to enter. You know, whether you're a juror on another case, whether you're a lawyer, everyone's trying to avoid that South entrance and then instead they go to the North entrance. But yeah, it's, it's just, it is bananas. And then the trial is being held on the 15th floor of 100 center street. And it's, I've never seen it like this. So usually there's barricades on a high profile trial in front of the courtroom. But in this case, the barricades on the 15th floor are throughout the entire hallway. And, and, and you know what so it looks like to me? It is. Because I'm seeing the videos it, every day of this. It's yeah. like it's like a runway show. Because, sure. you know, yes, Harvey Weinstein's wheeling himself yeah. down that hallway. But it is just, you know, model and actress after model and actress you know, walking that walk, uh, you know, reporters and people barking out questions. Sometimes they say something, sometimes they don't. Um, but um, got to be a difficult situation for someone who's an accuser in a sex crime to walk that walk. Yes, but let me just be clear. Okay, so there is the accusers come up through those south elevators and there is a separate entrance from the da's office right so you enter the side entrance from the da's office and we saw videos of jessica Mann kind of getting into the black suv from that side entrance so they're usually shielded and then when you come off the seventh floor that's where the da's office is and then you go up to the 15th floor. So, the D so it's just like around the corner these accusers have to go. They don't have to walk the entire length of the hall. So it's not as bad. What I am surprised, though, is that they're not letting these accusers go through the judge's elevators, which would have prevented anyone from being on camera because the judge's elevators are in that hall that's behind the courtroom that we've told you about that, you know, where the jury room is, where the robing room is, where the witness room is. They could have done that. I don't know why they didn't do that because it would have been a lot less hectic because it is kind of, it's kind of crazy there. The court officers are angry all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's so much tension. They are so angry all the time. They're just sick of this. A absolutely. You know, the only other, no matter how many hot women are there. Right. The only other time I was at a, a trial in New York city was uh, Sean Puffy Combs. And that's when he was puffy. Yeah. And it was the same thing. I mean, the court officers just didn't want to be bothered with all of us. But we were all there day in and day out. Same sort of situation. Um, from from your perspective, Harvey Weinstein, this is the, the only time we really see him, right? He, we see him kind of wheel himself down that hallway and then wheel himself out of the courtroom. And it seems there are days or have been days where he'll acknowledge people that are there. And then there are days where he just kind of goes past everyone. Yeah, I think it depends on his mood, to be honest. Uh, I think there are days like remember when Jessica Mann was testifying and just uh, devastating testimony about his physical appearance and hygiene. That was a day where Harvey, I think in the morning, was quite devastated in the courtroom. But... Interestingly enough, by the afternoon upon his exit, I think he pulled it together and ended up almost making a joke about, yeah. you know, his, his physical appearance or something. So yeah. so he found a way to spin it. Yeah, I like the way you sanitized that last uh, little statement there. You talked about his hygiene. I mean, I think the direct <laughs> quote was he smells like poop. 
I know. And well, right. she she also had to um, she had to sanitize it too. That's not what she originally said. Oh, that's right. You know? That's right. That's right. Sanitize yeah. yeah. for, for yeah. everyone's protection. Unreal. So, so New York City, um, y- you know, we've been watching this case and the, and the buildup, but like any other trial, ultimately there's going to be a verdict. And, and I can't imagine what that's going to be like. I can't imagine how they prepare for this and they get ready for what's next. But that's what we're going to talk about next is what's next in the Harvey Weinstein rape trial. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. So like any other trial that we've covered in the history of Court TV, whether it was the original Court TV or your new Court TV that you're enjoying now, um, there's going to be a verdict. There's going to be that moment at the end of the case where we're going to hit, oh, my goodness, there's a verdict. And and, and Seema, yeah. I can't imagine what the, the – I mean, the, how is that courthouse, do you believe, going to react to that moment when there's a verdict? Do you think there's going to be people gathering outside, scurrying in the – what's going to happen okay. when word spreads around sure. New York? There's a verdict in the Harvey Weinstein <laughs> rape trial. Well, I'm expecting when the jury starts deliberating, the accusers have got to show up. Vinny, where are the accusers? Of day one, we had Rosanna Arquette. We had, uh, who else was here? There was a bunch of women here, right? I, I'm, I'm forgetting. There was a lot of women here. There was They were all crowded. Rose the front. McGowan. Rose McGowan. Thank you so much. Rose McGowan, Rosanna Arquette. Everybody was here day one. And then, like you, the cold scared them all away. So they've been gone. But, again, press is packed all the time. I am telling you, when this jury starts deliberating, I think the accusers are going to resurface. The protesters, everybody's going to come back. I also think there's so much more security and court officers uh, because of this trial. So even when Harvey Weinstein enters and exits the building every day, he has not only his people, but his people are surrounded by court officers and a lot of high-ranking ones, lieutenants, captains, everybody's everywhere. So I think that is going to, you know, and I also I'm wondering... Okay, so you're going to have the security, and then how are we all going to know? I mean, I feel like we're just all going to be sitting in the hallways uh, drinking uh, I, I coffee, think so. You just got to be out. sitting there online, ready to get in there. You know, I, I, the other thing I wonder about, this is a case where so many have so much invested in it. I mean, sure. let's not forget the, the, the true impact and, and meaning behind this trial and what it symbolizes for so many people. And there is a chance this jury could come back and utter two words that we don't hear very often on court TV, but we have heard not guilty. I mean, if this jury comes back and finds reasonable doubt and says Harvey Weinstein is not guilty of what he's been accused of here in New York City, I am wondering what sort of reaction there is and what happens both at the courthouse in the courthouse, outside the courthouse, and across the nation. I think, I you know, I'm really thinking about this. I don't know because it just feels 
that this jury is going to be struggling. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I can't get to a place where I think guilty or not guilty because of being in and out and watching this. I feel like this is going to be a struggle for this jury. I think, you know what I think is possible? A split verdict. I think there could be counts of guilty, could be counts of not guilty. I think... I think that but what because, happens? What okay. happens, Seema? What happens if they come back and say not guilty? Because we know the movement that that this uh, case and the story but it's of a Harvey peaceful Weinstein movement. created. Oh, it's a peaceful movement. These women aren't going to what like start trashing the courthouse. What are they going to do? It's a peaceful movement. Not trashing the courthouse, but it's, from my perspective, are they going to look at the system of justice? What are they going to be saying about our system They're of justice? They're going to say, and, take and, him to L.A. and, are, you know, can L.A. bring us again? justice? Well, listen, he's facing a case in L.A., two accusers, 28-year sentence. It's it, you know they're gonna they're gonna hope that there's justice there. But here, here's here's the real problem and 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 why uh, I have a real problem with no cameras in the courtroom for this one because you've seen the testimony and 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 you've seen the witnesses and um, and America yeah. and the world has not right. We've heard the words because we've gotten the transcripts sure. here on court TV for everyone sure. to understand it. But without cameras and microphones inside that courtroom, and then you have a verdict, the trust in the system is undermined. And that's, to me, that's the real problem. When you have a case like this that so many are invested in and has so many repercussions, this is the exact case well, you where know you what? need cameras in the courtroom. Then why because don't people you... need to understand how that verdict then you happens. Know what? Don't, I don't know why you're yelling at me. Why don't you go tell your buddy Judge Burke, okay? Because not only did he not allow cameras in the courtroom from the jump, but we have reapplied. I, I don't know if you know this, but we have reapplied for cameras in the courtroom, for the closings, for the verdict. I'm sure he denied it. I, I, I don't know for a fact, but I know that we have sent that reapplication in for that. Okay. Plus the fact that he has not, I don't care what you say, been giving Harvey Weinstein a fair trial. Read my op-ed on CourtTV.com if you haven't. But but listen, listen. But here's the uh, judge. Don't blame Judge Burke. Okay, it is the, the legislature in New York He's City. Someone, no, and no, it's the legislature no, in New York City. No, they used to have cameras no, in the courtroom. No, there was a sunset provision. First of all, you're wrong. We lobbied for years to get them to to change the laws again. And they didn't. Burke is just following Wait, the law. No, I mean that's the wrong. problem. Listen, Vinny, you need wrong. to change the laws in Vinny, New York. You're wrong. There was uh, Jocelyn Ortega a nanny who uh, murdered some, like, kids, little babies that she was, uh, you know, babysitting for. And in 2018, Judge Gregory Caro, Part 32, allowed cameras in the courtroom for opening, closing, and verdict. Boom. I'm about opening, closing, verdict. Okay. I'm going to drop this Let's mic go to in my hand with our on cousin. the floor because you are wrong. Can we go to the prom wrong. with our cousin? Come on. No, no, no. You need to see and hear the the, the witnesses and the accusers and everyone you know else, so you, you know can what? trust I, the listen, verdict. I agree. How but can I we trust this verdict one way get. or the other? I would have taken what I could get if they, if even if they were just going to give me a little. Don't give me this like Judge Burke is all of a sudden listening to. He's not even paying attention to the law, and now you think he's just listening to the rules. That's that's not true. Well, I know what the yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, we can agree to disagree about. Our friend, my friend, Judge Burke. Your anyway, friend. Seema Iyer in New York City. 
Unbelievable. Folks, we're talking about cameras in the courtroom. This is what we do at Court TV. We bring you gavel-to-gavel coverage of the nation's biggest trials. If you have a digital antenna, <laughs> rescan it. Because if you haven't rescanned it recently, you may be missing our gavel-to-gavel coverage because Seema and I don't just do this uh, podcast. We host a show. We each do. Of us, three hours apiece every <laughs> night. If, if you sit down and watch Court TV from 3 in the afternoon Eastern time till 9 at night, it's nothing but me and Seema. Or is that Seema and I? I'm not sure. Anyhow, Seema, awesome job. Thank you, Vinny. We're going to see what this verdict plays. All right. We'll see you next time, folks. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.